Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is my esteemed co-host, Jim Stam. And uh, how you doing there, big guy? Oh, hey, man. Just uh, happy to be here, Gary. Good to hear, brother. And we finally got our friend Graves back on the show. It has been a while, and she was just chasing leaves around and all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I was. I took advantage of the weather yesterday and uh, got some leaves uh, gathered up. And uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm ready to rock and roll and talk some uh, Bucks baseball today. Sounds good. I mean, the leaves are falling. And before we dig in here today, too much. I I know the big news today is the Rule Five protections, and, and we'll talk about this from a reaction standpoint next week. I mean, I've written prediction pieces on my site. We've talked about how they could play it on this show multiple times. I just don't want to put out a show that's dated before it premieres. So <laughs> I think this week we're going to tackle some more um, talkable subjects, if you will. So I've been really enjoying all the coverage of the Pirates training camp going on in Bradenton. Alex Stumps went down there. And uh, Jason Mackey, I mean, really putting out some great pieces of information for us to discuss. And, and as I'm watching hitters work on individual technique and seeing more different methods of instruction going on, I can't help feeling, isn't it at least a little weird that all this is happening without having a hitting coach in place? I mean, by all means, get the right person. Take your time. But this is getting strange. Graves, you've been all about this training camp since Cora got fired. What in the world are they doing here? It's a great question, and and it is mind-boggling. I mean, part of me in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they have somebody, and he's there in camp, and he's working with all these guys, and and they just haven't announced it yet. You know, maybe they're waiting to 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 hire. The, the third base coach and, and, and the AAA manager as well. And they're just going to announce it all at one time. But, but yeah, with everything that's been, been going on, why haven't they announced it yet? It, uh, I mean, he's, he sets the table. He's, he sets the tone and, yeah. and, and without him being there, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just kind of a strange, a strange feeling that, uh, you know, what's, what's going on here. It really reinforces to me that the hitting plan is not going to come from the new hire. It really strikes me that the hitting plan is already established. I wouldn't be surprised if it's literally Derek Shelton's hitting plan. Um, Just going back to what he did in Minnesota, wanting to call upon that. And perhaps that's the way they're, they're going with it, Jim. But, I mean, what do you make of it? I mean, it's at least a little strange, right? Especially when you start seeing some weird things like we saw today from Alex Stump down there with uh, Piguero taking underhanded two-foot tosses and stepping into the box, like getting a running start at it. Yeah, well, let me let me just get the obligatory joke out of the way for the Pirates here and say, well, maybe the hitting's just not that important to them. It hasn't been for the last couple seasons, so <laughs> maybe they're just not going to place a priority on it. But uh, no, I mean, 
in all seriousness, Gary, you kind of, you kind of, damn you, you stole my thunder. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that, you know, it, to, to me, what it seems like is, is they've already, they already know what they want to do approach wise, philosophically within the system. Um, so it's just a matter of finding the guy that will go ahead and they feel will best convey that message throughout the system and to their hitters um, and be able to kind of, um, you know, reiterate that as close as possible to whether it's Shelton or who's ever, you know, wherever they've landed as far as the philosophy goes. So I think that that's it. It'd be, it'd be nice just to have a name at this point. Um yeah. But maybe it just hasn't worked out yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I like Graves' theory, though, that they're basically doing the October 5th uh, DFA thing with the, with the, the hitting coach. But Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, Alex and, and Jason and whoever else is down there, they've been sworn to secrecy that they can't say, you know, who it is because it hasn't been announced <laughs> yet. But, but you know, to get to, to Jim's point, I mean, and, and you guys are, bo- are both right. I mean, they, they even talked about, you know, they're looking for a specific skill set and something that's going to complement what is already here. So I think they, you know, and, and, you know, maybe they've missed out on some guys that uh, have been, you know, hired elsewhere. But, uh, but, you know, hopefully here pretty soon we're going to, we're going to find out who it is. But, uh, but, but yeah, they're, you know, just, just to read a quote. And this was from back on October 15th. So much um, is just about fit. It's about finding someone who has particular skill set, experience, strengths, and complements it adds to what we already have here, and someone who is really a good cultural fit with our players and our staff, someone who is interested in coming in and being part of the team just to help others player help the players get better. So I mean, you guys both noted. it. I mean that they know yeah. what they're looking for and they're just trying to find that right that right guy or right woman as from that fact matter. And I should probably thank you for um, reading their indeed post because <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what that came across as, isn't it? I mean, yeah. um, you know, they, they interviewed John Baker too. I, I, I'd have to imagine something would have slipped there if, if uh, there was indeed somebody in the works, but right. you know, a couple of weeks ago, I know Ben Charrington said they felt like they were pretty close on some people. That was like towards the end of the world series. So I guess I'm a little weirded out to see it stretching on as long as it has, it seems to be a pretty important position and I don't hold out an awful lot of hope for them to be hiring phantom assistants and whatnot that we're hoping they're going to find. Um, when, when they haven't even replaced such a crucial position at this point. Right. Well, you know, and, and uh, it was kind of re- reported yesterday, you know, um, and, and John, John Baker was reported as saying that uh, they plan to hire a coaching coordinator, a position the organization did not have last season. And we're starting this week, the hiring process of bringing in someone externally to come in and systemize the position. So that, you know, I think they are maybe looking to expand. Um, You know, they're certainly not looking to, uh, to get any smaller as far as the coaching staff goes. So it's a, yeah, but I'm, I'm ready to hear some names and and get this going. That's a good point that that they look to expand. Jim, I mean, why do they seem to be behind the rest of the league on all this stuff? Like, why aren't they thinking of this stuff a couple of years ago? You didn't need to see what you had before you saw what they 
blatantly didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you, it, to me, like just from a want to know perspective, I just want to know what direction they're heading in and what the philosophy specifically will be. Let that guy speak on it a little bit kind of hear Sherrington and Shelton expand on it and just really dive into like what the approach is going to be. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be reinventing the wheel, but you know, what are you emphasizing and what are you, what are you putting the major um, focus on as far as um, what's important to you for hitters? So um, I just want to get that guy in place. And then I want to hear what that, it, what the approach is. And you would think the players want to do that, too. So we're sitting here, you know, just as fans wanting to know. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a little odd. Um, if it stretches out another couple weeks, does it start to get really weird? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're not we're getting to the point where I'm starting to think they're just going to play tapes of Derek Shelton speed hitting in the dugout. Oh boy! So I don't somebody's got to do something, right? I mean, they <laughs> yeah. got to find somebody, and I, I'd imagine that's coming soon. We already heard the third base coach is likely coming from internal sources. So, okay, I mean that could mean really anywhere in the organization. So that makes sense. But I, I guess like the the exhaustive search throughout the league isn't really a thing. They probably have a couple guys they're looking at, and it's probably not all that important to what they're trying to teach right now. So. So be it. No, I, I'm just, um, I think it's interesting. You know, I think we can probably cross off the, the list internally, uh, for this position. So like you said at third, that looks like that is going to be the route. And, um, you would think just at this point, you'd want to get that guy in there and just get that cohesion and that, that, that consistent voice going throughout the system. And especially like Graves had mentioned, you know, um, what was the name of that position? It was a, it was a coordinator or yeah. what was it exactly? Coaching coordinator. Coaching coordinator. Yeah. So um, yeah, like let's just get it done. Let's so we can sink our teeth in it from a selfish standpoint. Yeah. And even that is probably more of an effort to take something off of Derek Shelton's plate. Um instead of having him communicate down the chain things he'd like to see in the coaching world, they're going to have somebody else who's kind of the funnel for that. That's mm -hmm. all. So, I mean, that's probably not as big a deal as, as some people will make out of it, but there's just a lot of these positions that other teams have had for a long time. The pirates just seem to be a little behind on that stuff. And I'm not so sure that they needed to wait a full couple seasons before they started addressing some of those things, if that's what they were concerned about. They do seem to take yeah. their time with things um, organizationally now. Um, uh, maybe, maybe to, um, you know, to, to an excess, but it certainly seems to fit the pattern of what we've seen. And I, and I think it too, it, it goes with, you know, it's taken us this far to kind of evaluate the players. Well, they've been doing the same with the coaching staff and now they're seeing, okay, this isn't working out. Let's, let's get some other voices in here. Let's maybe add to it. And, you know, because the other, the other ones that were here weren't getting the job done. So they're taking a different path and, and stretching out a little bit more to see what they can, what they can bring in and help uh, be better at baseball. 
curious times though let's let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about you know really the the pirates fans place in society here in the city because lately it's just been kind of weird to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Another thing I'd like to discuss today is is really the way Pirates fans are looked at. You know, I, I'm watching the Steelers and Pens struggle, and because I love all our teams, I guess, we'll put it this way, most of my sporting hopes right now are on pit football, which scares the soul out of me. <laughs> I mean, point is... Pirates fans have been negative with good reason. The other teams are showing us winning in recent history hasn't taken that off the table for them. So all I all, all this to say, winning at all wouldn't stop this fan base from hating what they hate or more precisely who they hate within the Pirates organization. So, Jim, I'm going to let you start on this one because, you know, you are all about the city. You definitely follow all the teams. You tweet about all the teams. I mean, it seems like certain fan bases can't handle a little adversity after a really, really nice period of time. Yeah, you know, first first off, off the top, for me, like, the, um, the putting down of some of the teams as opposed to who you like to follow and whatnot – it that just doesn't compute to me because you know i mean if you follow me on twitter you know it's steelers it's pirates it's penguins and it is pit and it just doesn't compute to me that you would want to i don't know put put one down at the expense of the team that you happen to like i mean it's yeah if you don't all, like them don't talk about them yeah and if you don't and and, and if you don't like them i, I guess that's okay. It's a free country, but I mean, this city is uh, a great sports town, in my opinion. And the teams support one another. If you've noticed, I mean, yeah. I mean, the Steelers, the Pirates, the Penguins—they always have each other's backs on social media. The players like to support each other. I mean, how many times have we watched a Penguins game and? You know, it's if it's not Ben Roethlisberger, it's the offensive line with Penguins jerseys on. And, you know, uh, so it goes it goes it bleeds into all the teams and they all, you know, um, support one another. So I just don't understand why in this city um, some people almost, uh, I don't know, revel in it. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, now you've got me. Either. Now you've got me off track, Gary, because now I don't even remember what the original question was because I wanted to get I wanted to get that out there that come on, it's Pittsburgh. Let's support Pittsburgh teams. So what we was should, the original question? We should support Pittsburgh teams, but I guess what I'm what I'm asking specifically is I, I've always kind of been under the illusion that at some point the pirates would win. And then people would be like, ah, I get what they were doing now. It's okay. 
you know? And there'd be this warm hug where everybody comes back in and everything. But the Penguins just won two cups back to back, right? Just a few years ago. And, and people are losing their minds that they aren't good right now. <laughs> it's, to me, it didn't buy them anything. They have probably the most loved owner in professional sports, granted, potentially on the, on the verge of selling the team. But it hasn't won them any favors when it comes to that sort of thing. The Pirates are definitely not in a position where they're going to be able to win one and have PNC filled with warm and hug feelings. For, for 10 years afterwards. Well, and as somebody who, who doesn't live in Pittsburgh, um, and so, you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily walk down the street and, you know, and, and, and feel the, the, the stairs and the, in the, and everything else. And, and, and the, hearing the comments about, you know, being a Pirates fan. Um, and I, typically don't listen to the talking heads on, on the radio either. So, but I, I think, I, I believe that, I mean, all of them are kind of have the same tone, the same, you know, the pirates stink, the pirates stink. And when you constantly hear that, it's easy to join that bandwagon and say, yeah, the pirates stink or, oh yeah, we're so mad at the penguins for not, you know, for, for, for sucking for the, you know, the last year or whatever. And, and it's, it's, it's just kind of like the, th- the thing to do anymore is just to, to lash out and to be angry instead of, you know, Pittsburgh is a great sports town and there's no reason that, uh, that fans can't support, you know, the, all the teams or like you said, if, if they don't, if you don't like uh, hockey, then just don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, Jim, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to Pitt, especially, right. You know, you start talking about, um, something that they're even close to doing or something that is still in the realm of possibilities and you'll get slapped down for, for you don't understand what's going on if you really think they have a shot, right? Right. It, it's it's things like that. The Pirates, I think, almost to Graves' point, it's not so much even just that they stink. It's that they're being preached as irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And you're almost getting to the point where when you bring them up, you're an imbecile because why are you even bothering to pay attention to them? You know, they, they, they've become a, a punchline of sorts. Um, you know, some, yeah. of, some of that earned uh, quite honestly. So um, heck, I remember I was just set up penguins game recently and saxophone guy roasted me for having my pirates hat on. So, you know, I can't even get past sax guy without him doing something. Nobody gets past sax guy, but I I get what you're saying. (laughs) This is true. And I left myself open for it, but uh, you know, I just ignored him like I always do. But uh, you know, uh, look, the, the, the pirates, I think what, I think what this really comes down to is, and you know, maybe it's just, and Gary, you mentioned this on Twitter the other day. Um, in a response to something I tweeted, which was, you know, fans are just spoiled. Uh, we are here in yeah. Pittsburgh quite a bit when it comes to things like, especially our age group. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, let's, let's go even younger than that. Some of these fans here with the pirate or the, excuse me, the penguins and the Steelers, they don't know. They don't know what a losing season is in in the NFL. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you know, uh, literally, point. we're we're coming mm-hmm. up on people that are actually of 18 years of age that would not know that the Steelers, they've never experienced a losing season with the Steelers. They don't remember they, Gary Anderson kicking that field goal in the playoffs against the Broncos and just being in utter disbelief that we finally won a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the Penguins. Now, mm-hmm. now that's where people even our age are spoiled because look, you know, you've you've got the five Stanley Cups and you've had the two best hockey players in the world. Um, so, you know, the the Pirates are 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 already behind the eight ball right there, right. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I just think it comes down to fans are are spoiled. Pittsburgh fans are spoiled. Um, you know, the, the success has been there and the pirates have kind of become like the, the nerdy roommate that everyone kind of <laughs> gangs up on that they don't like in the real world house. Right. So, um, I and don't you're know. Right. It, you're right. They bring it on themselves a little bit. You know, they, they have, they don't spend enough money and, you know, I think we're learning recently from a communication standpoint, they, they're awful at it you know they don't they don't they don't necessarily go out of their way to do things the right way i don't feel um but they also don't get any credit for being the only major sports team in town that is not playing in a league that provides an even playing field and i I do wonder how they became so hated how did people not see that happening you know it's been years and years like this where, where MLB is, is disproportionate. It's not like this just happened in 2016 or something. It's not like it just happened last decade. This has been years and years and years. And we've watched these other leagues remake themselves. One instance, actually saving the team from leaving town. And yet we still want to target the Pirates and just pretend it's all this one guy. I mean, you could have anybody come in here and own this team, and it might get marginally better, but it is not going to be that much different. I always say, like, hate him for the right reasons. One of the right reasons is not thinking that he's underpaying by $150 million. <laughs> I mean, it's not that. Right. He doesn't have that money. Well, you know, go ahead, Graves. Go ahead. No, well, no, I, I was just going to say, and I, uh, I kind of got mesmerized there and lost, lost my train of thought. But uh, I, I, I think most fans don't don't look at the salary cap. They're they're kind of oblivious to that. You know, they're they want to see the team take the field and go out there and win. You know, and, and they're it. not they're, they're not thinking about the salary cap and the business side of things. I mean, and, and I, I, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge issue, but you know, and, and hopefully it's going to be something that, uh, you know, will maybe get talked about and get taken care of here in the new CBA. And or maybe, it, they but, see, maybe they see the salary cap as a bad thing. Like, and the reason I say that is like, you know, if you if you exclusively follow the Steelers, right. Well, you're pissed that the salary cap just cost you Bud Dupree. You know, you're pissed that the salary cap is is preventing you from having a better offensive line, right? Right. They're not seeing the fact that literally Ben Roethlisberger would have been gone 15 years ago and, you know, various other things that would take place if there wasn't one. 
But once you've had a cap for decades, it kind of just becomes second nature that there's a cap and it's this money that you have to fit in. And so maybe, yeah. So maybe not having it in baseball isn't even a thought because, Hey, things are tough all over. Like Cheech and Chong used to say. So maybe it doesn't really matter in in that regard, Jim. The, it's a it's a it's a valid point. I think some fans just don't care about that stuff, and certainly if you're in the bigger markets, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see that. Your team's free to spend as it wishes, and um, thereby it increases your chance of winning. And um, and then there are just fans who look at it as it's not an excuse, and. Um, some teams are able to seemingly navigate those choppy waters despite those disadvantages. And or they we don't... could afford all these players in the 70s. Yeah. So, now? Yeah. Right. Or or even flash forwarding to now, you know, you know, well, the, the Rays do it and the Royals did it. And so you get that <laughs> aspect of it, too. I will say this, like from an outside interference perspective. My God, if the Rays signed Wander Franco for 150 to 200 million for 10 years, the Pirates have no place to hide. None. Yeah. And yes, they don't have a player like Wander Franco. But if you tell me you can't afford Brian Reynolds, uh uh-uh. uh. I suspect we will be talking about this in the future, all of us at some point. So, um, I'm I'm so curious to see how that whole thing unfolds because yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of angles to that. Be, you know, baseball, big picture, pirates. It's a fascinating topic, and I the can't Rays are wait. smarter than most organizations. I, I think that's fair to say, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. if the Rays are smarter than most organizations, and they're offering something like that to Wander Franco right now, you figure he's probably. He's probably good for 70 million, 70, 80 million before his arbitration ends right now. So they basically are offering him a minimum of an $80 million pay bump for two extra years, two two to three extra years of, of service time. If that's the case, then the Rays know something about what's coming in this CBA that the rest of the league doesn't. Because it's curious timing for sure. It is because it doesn't even make sense from a raise standpoint for them to do what they always do, which is trade him when he gets really expensive. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying like they either know something that everybody else doesn't or whatever. And, and, you know, to bring it back around to make this a pirates topic, if that happens, it's going to cause some changes. It really will. I, I think you're going to see the pirates have to realize like they got to go out and do some things like that. They're okay being part of a group of teams that don't spend, but you start isolating them into a team that doesn't spend. And I yeah. think things get much more uncomfortable for somebody. Sure. The further out you get on that limb, that branch by yourself, um, the worse it looks, the worse it is. So um, from both, you can't run from it and you can't hide from it. So, um, yeah, like there there are some big ramifications from something like that. 
And of course, we've got the new CBA deal or whatever's going to happen there. So, but, you know, let me just bring it back to something really basic. And, you know, I'm I'm trying not to, I don't want to be insulting here about what I'm going to say, but it might come off that way. So, look, uh, a lot of it comes down to with the Pirates is just from the optics standpoint, let's be real honest, when fans look at who owns the Pirates, and you see that face, I mean, it is not a warm and fuzzy feeling. I mean, Bob Nutting has a punchable face. Let's be real honest here. <laughs> so uh, he just doesn't, you know, some guys pull it off, and, you know, some guys look like, uh, oh, my goodness, I can't think of Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and just, he's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't give you good, um, vibes. It's kind of like politicians and how they have to be perfectly quaffed and look believable. I mean, when you look at Bob Nutting, do you get any of that before he even opens his mouth once every three years? At this point, the car, the horse is out of the barn. All right. This dude could show up at Market Square with a bag full of cash, handing it out to strangers, and, and the narrative ain't changing. Not now, right. it's not. No, that's what right. I mean. Like it, it's too late. It's not going to change at this point. And I'm not sure how much of of what has, you know, become his story was necessarily his doing, as much as trusting fools. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, if you want to be mad at anybody, the person I'm mad at is Neil Huntington. You know, he, uh, you know, Nutting maybe was uh, wrong to put all of his faith in him and and, and, and Clint Hurdle and and everything else. But uh, unfortunately, that happened. But uh, uh, but for now, as we can see. He, uh, he did get that wake-up call. He made the changes that desperately needed to be made. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're getting this thing turned around and, and we can bring a championship to uh, to the North Shore because uh, it is greatly needed. And, and there, there's no secret. Nutting could have been spending money all along, but he's never been forced to. And... And, you know, maybe if, if the, the Rays go out and do this big deal with the new CBA, whatever the case is, if he feels a little bit of pressure to, uh, to spend some money, maybe that's what it's going to take for him to say, OK, you know, I, I need to stop saving my money and counting my, counting my $100 bills. It's time to spend and bring a championship. Yeah. I, think, I think what ends up happening, too, is you see this a lot with kind of – in, in a lot of different walks of life. And I'm talking um, government, um, the private sector, um, sports teams, whatever, um, especially with poorly run organizations or, or businesses that seem to be flailing around a little bit. Sometimes you have to be embarrassed into doing things. Yeah. Um, and it's got to be a public display. And then you finally whether you wanted to or not are forced into doing it or you've been bludgeoned over the head with it enough that you finally realize it not kind of unlike what happened when nutting wasn't going to make many changes after um 
the the fiasco of a couple of years ago and he was going to sit tight. So, you know, I think that that's emblematic of organizations um, that haven't quite figured some things out and maybe how things tend to trickle down from the top. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a great, a great point too about uh, bringing it back to when he actually made all the changes because you're right. He doesn't do that without the public pressure that took place. I mean, everybody right. lost their minds screaming for accountability and you know to his credit he listened at some point albeit a little late and um you know i i really want to like the hires and everything i just i guess like it's hard not to get frustrated no matter how pragmatic you really are looking at this stuff because you do see certain aspects of the league kind of uh moving forward in a different direction already. And, you know, you, you know, you start seeing like the tigers are, are ramping back up to start spending money again. And, and, you know, we saw the white Sox ramp up and start spending money again, just a couple of years ago. And I guess from a pirates fan perspective, what frustrates me the most is I know just from the history that I've experienced, I can't expect that to come. That's my problem. The, the Tigers have a history of rebuilding, coming out of it, and spending as much as they possibly can. The Pirates have a history of rebuilding, spending a little, and doing the best they can. That's the difference. And guess what? It's amounted to the same amount of championships, really. It's just <laughs> and, there, <laughs> and therein lies the problem in baseball, right? That Absolutely. Some owners have figured that out. Where, mm-hmm. you know, why am I going to go down and spend $5,000 on lottery tickets um, and come home with $5,000 less in my pocket? You know, so that's hopefully part of what they're going to try to address. It's, it better be. Yeah, it has to be, really. I mean, if it's not, then uh, it's no different than it was. And, you know, better hope all those prospects turn out. let's take another break here then we come back let's talk a little bit more about how the pirates are, are trying to confuse us it feels Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And, you know, during the break, I was just telling Jim, we're going to have to talk about something positive at some point. It's been three weeks of Debbie Downers on the show lately. So I figured uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up and make it one more big old show of bad. Gary, do people want the truth or do they just want some smoke blowing up their rear ends? Because, you know, I happen to like the truth. So this is where this is where we give it to them. (laughs) That's right. And I was I mean, the other the most positive thing we could really talk about is who gets cut today, really. So uh, we'll we'll handle that next week. Um, For now, though, I thought we'd touch on a little bit of the, the confusing things that the Pirates seem to be doing on the public relations standpoint. Um. And this goes all the way back for me to the Polanco situation. Like, you know, it was such a messy exit for a player that had spent the better part of a decade in your organization. And, 
I guess I didn't really understand how that was handled or why things leaked and, 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 and things like that. And then most of the fan base is kind of locked up in consternation about this 40 man and who's going to get protected and who's going to get cut to make room for the prospects. And, you know, we're, we're all got our boards and we're looking around at who's available and who we think we're going to get rid of and where this slot's going to come from. Lo and behold, the pirates went ahead and cut two or three players back in October, October 5th, mind you, this isn't like Halloween. This is a month and a half ago. We just find out the other day they're gone. Oh yeah. Philip Evans, that guy you keep talking about wanting to cut to replace for a pro- He's been gone for like a month and a half. Sorry, suckas. Tell us, tell us what is so damn hard about telling us. I understand there's some rules and, and, and stuff for why they couldn't formally be cut, but tell me you did it and let legalese take care of itself in the background. It's maybe this is just, you know, a blogger and podcaster who's ticked off that I have to sit there and refresh a transactions page for six hours straight to get some answers out of the pirates. But as a fan, I want to know this stuff. Graves, is it frustrating you the way it is me or am I just unhinged? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and, and I oh, think he's, even, oh, he's unhinged Graves. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I found out Alex Stump cut his hair and I'm the only hippie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah You're I, unhinged. I'm, I'm on edge today. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and I think it even goes back to, to before Polanco, but uh, you know, it, it's, I think the even compound the situation is the transaction page updated, and then seven hours later, the pirates are tweeting about it that that, that you know it's official and we cut these guys. It's like the transaction page should never be updated until it's official, you know. And and so yeah, that, yeah. That, that just kind of compounded the whole thing. It's bad enough that it happened in October, and we're not finding out out about it until it ne- till now. But uh, you know it it. It's strange, and and I don't get it. You know, we we were promised some more transparency, and we, we're certainly not getting it. You know, um, I think the the players on the field are getting it. You know, they're they're more involved in in their own development and things like that. But and and part of me too. You know, the pirate fans are so hungry for information. You know, we, we just sit and we wait for the next big news to break. And then we, you know, we chew it up and spit it out. And for the next, you know, 48 hours, and then we sit and we, we wait for the next thing. And uh, it's pretty simple to, to, yeah, to just let us know, okay, these guys were cut and, um, right. and, 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 and be done with it. And, um, you know, I, I, um, I think it's, it's just, it's, it, it's crazy. I mean, the pirates want the fans to be buying into this rebuild, but they're not giving us much information, and, and it is frustrating. Right, right. I mean, and, you know, Jim, this is part of why Travis Williams was brought in here, right? Because he came, one, from, one he came, he came from a good organization that knew how yeah. to talk to the public, had a lot of experience in, in, in fan engagement and, and everything like that. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I'm seeing really slow reactions. I'm seeing... I'm seeing even worse releases. It's not like this is the first time that this has happened. I mean, Ildemaro Vargas was another player during the season that that was released and we didn't know it. 
You know, it, it's it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and you mentioned Travis Williams and it, 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 perfect example of you know they brought him in and they they really kind of um, you know sold him about his extensive extensive history with the penguins and what he can bring to the organization and you know truthfully the media was right there with it too just saying hey you know this is a good guy and this is a guy you want to have and he's got a lot of knowledge and experience and is going to be able to you know um do some really good things for this 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 organization off the field and it just hasn't happened. I mean, I have seen so little from him mm-hmm. that I can't remember the last time, unless I just totally missed it. And it was recently um, that he had anything to say about anything or substantive. So I don't yeah, I haven't seen I, you much know, either. Mm-mm. No. So, you know, and, and this, this, this brings me back or to uh, a, a larger point. And I think, you know, we, we, we've talked about the, the transactional stuff and we've talked about the Polanco stuff yep. and we, we haven't even gotten into the Clint hurdle fiasco and how all that unfolded and so on and so forth. Yeah. Mostly okay. because that was the last regime. So I'm kind of like giving them a, a glass wall there, but. Okay, but but hear me out because uh, it's certainly under the same ownership. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this: is that I think along we talk we talk so much so much about well, players need to learn how to win, and that's something that you can only learn through experience, and then that standard has to be upheld, and it kind of trickles down and around and through everybody else. And then that's how you build a winning team from the player standpoint. But you know what? Not only do players have to learn how to be uh, winners and champions, so does management. Yeah. So does an organization. So does ownership. And I think until you get that recipe figured out and you've done it, it's uh, not as easy as it looks, and I think you see it with teams that have had issues over the years where that's not a simple recipe, and everyone has to learn how to do that at a championship level. And we're talking about everything from development to communication to how the ownership behaves to how the players are developing and performing. Look, this is something that is not just going to be contained to just simply going out between those white lines and doing X, Y, and Z. So I, I, I think what you're seeing is is an organization that needs to learn how to win on a lot of different levels. And um, yeah. it's still pretty prevalent throughout. That's a really if, good point. Yeah, so, that's a great point. I think what frustrates me really about uh, Charrington in particular, um, he brought it up himself in a recent MLB um, network interview where he he was talking about uh, his experience and and then I saw in the Boston Globe that they did a nice write-up about him and they started talking about um, how this was a perfect fit for him because he had just gotten done rebuilding a team in in Boston and then went to Toronto and saw a a down-to-the-studs rebuild and that's exactly what he wants to pull off and so my point is those tricks of the trade those learning to win things that you're talking about he should have learned those on his path. 
that was part of the appeal of bringing somebody with experience in here is he wasn't going to have to learn that stuff. Sure. Part of what he should have learned, I would think, would be that fans going through a rebuild really want to know about all the crap. We want to know how the sausage is made or we wouldn't be paying attention. The fans that are still hanging with you during a rebuild want to know this stuff. The fans that are going to join you once you've gotten the job done and the team is good, don't give a crap about this stuff. So if you care about the fans that are here right now, tell us what's going on. Be open with us and honest and tell us about your hitting coach search. Don't just... Don't don't just like tell us you got a couple guys you're thinking about. Tell us what you're looking for. You obviously have some qualifications. Don't like what Graves read earlier was about Indeed. Basically, it was it was like me trying to hire a Dick's manager. I want I want somebody to tell me like this is why we want a guy that can do this specific thing because we want to get better in this aspect. This is the types of things you can expect to see from our hitting program. This is the type of instruction we're going to be giving people. That's the type of stuff I want to hear about. And maybe I'm a nerd, but I'm a nerd that's here. I'm a nerd that's paying money. And we care. I'm a nerd that's going to the games. Yep. Care or don't. I agree. And I think it's just, it's, it's another example of is, I, I mean, obviously Sherrington has an idea of what he wants to do and he, he's actually accomplished it. So he's not a moron. Yeah, you know, that's not what I'm suggesting. And I know that that's not what you think I'm suggesting. It's just that. But I think what it does show is and we've seen this in other other on other teams, other sports. Sometimes it's not just as easy as going out and trying to plug the right guy in. If you've got a lot of things in your organization that still need to be, um, I don't know, cleaned up brought up to speed, tightened up, however you want to buttoned up. I mean, let's just up it all over the place, however you want to up it. But, you know, that it's just not that simple sometimes in organizations that have not quite learned how to run. You know, they're still yeah. walking and they're still crawling. And, yes, you plugged in the Ben Sherrington and you went and got Travis Williams, but there's still dysfunction or just – uh um, what's there, a disconnect to get everything working like it needs to do. Now, winning will take care of a lot of that. But you know what? Sometimes before you win, this stuff has to happen too. So, you know, it's just I, 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 you do see guys come into situations, oh, we've got the right coach. Sometimes it ain't that easy. So, yeah, I mean, the scariest thing for me is that Ben Charrington came from – Two organizations, one that successfully went all the way with him, one that he was a part of that is looking pretty good right now as far as like having an opportunity here next year in the Blue Jays. So if he came in here with a mindset that he wanted to basically replicate the infrastructure that he was coming from, And the reason that it's taken so long is because he was kind of told, yeah, we don't want to pay for that right this second. Then I've got some issues. (laughs) So uh, my point is a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I, I know it's hard to hire the right coach. But if you already know what you want that coach to preach, I don't need the name of the coach for you to show me where the pulpit is. 
You know, I, I get where he's going to be I get preaching. It. Sure. That, that's all I'm saying. Just tell us a little bit more. That's and all. I, think, I, I think it goes goes um, hand in hand with uh, accountability. You know, we want accountability of the players. Uh, let's see some accountability in the front office too. Yeah, you know, Ben Charrington was brought in to do his job, but but he can't necessarily always be in charge of uh, who's ever updating the transaction page. You know, let's uh, yeah. let's get some accountability there, and 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 just it, it's been sloppy. So let let's clean up the slop a little bit, and 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 have a little bit of credibility and maybe we won't always be the laughing stock of this town and, and, uh, in baseball because we're, you know, we, we can't get our, 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 uh, crap together. I mean, let me tell you a little story about myself here that I think will kind of shed a little bit of, uh, what you just said. When I first started writing, um, about the pirates, I mean, I've made no no secret about it. I've had some some pretty good backers along the way that have really helped me along. And uh, my first story for SI came out, and I, I tweeted out, like, hey, check this out. I just wrote this, everybody. And I had a misspelling in it. And I'll never forget this. I get a DM from, from Dayon, and it just says, hey, Gary, you got a misspelling in there. And I go, yeah, yeah, I saw. I just I screwed it up. It's already moving along. He goes, no, no, change it, fix it, take it down. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, you don't understand. That's all they'll see. Like th- those dotting of I's and crossing of T's, they matter. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that something as simple as not telling us about somebody you cut a month and a half ago mean to people that are really paying attention. And if you want people to take you seriously, then act seriously. Don't mess things up like that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Listen, you know, there's a reason certain teams, certain organizations don't embarrass themselves because they have their stuff together. And that is not acceptable. And that is, uh, you can say the standard is the standard or whatever you want to say, or we want to point <laughs> to the to the Patriots or, you know, whoever. That's only popular if the Steelers are eight games over 500. This but, is true. This yeah. is true. Depends on what week we're in. But, um, and after a tie and me being at the game, I don't know what week I'm in. So uh, well, that's popcorn, Jim. That's what's just that? popcorn. Oh, that was popcorn? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um yeah, I, you know, so look, the devil is in the details. And, you know, you can say that's cliche. Or you can say, well, they're the Patriots. And how dare you? What do you think? The Pirates can become the Patriots? No, I don't. But do I think they should emulate organizations like that? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just it's just there are little there are little things that well run organizations that when you don't see it and that's all i'll say that said to bring it back around to positive because you know in all sincerity you know i'm bashing them on on a nitpicky point here i'm not i'm not saying this is a huge deal it's just an overriding feeling for me of just missing the boat on a few little things here but to spin it back around positive if we want things like communication to get a little bit better 
we do need to start seeing them hire some people like that coaching assistant that, that they're talking about, their coaching mm-hmm. supervisor. That, that's maybe little things like that are the things we need to start seeing. So I'll take that as a positive that they're starting to see some of their deficiencies and fill them. I just pray that it's an oversight that led them to not do it before now. That's all. Sure. Because I you mean, know, Graves, one thing we talk about a lot is like we feel like they, they really need an assistant pitching coach. Yep. They're one of the only teams in the league that doesn't have one. And it's a lot to ask of one guy to be the voice that's supposed to accurately communicate your message to that many players. And let's face it, different personalities don't always mesh. You sometimes need an alternative there to to get through to somebody that's maybe a little thicker-skinned or a little thicker-headed. So that's an area where I feel like they can make a quick improvement as well. And I'm not seeing that on the horizon. I'm not hearing any chatter about that. Yeah, I, I haven't either. And, and one, one thing that has con- concerned me a little bit is Charrington mentioned, uh, um, I believe it was Charrington, said about uh, maybe Don Kelly would take over as the infield coach while still being the bench coach. And and it's kind of the same thing with Oscar Marine. I think he's already stretched pretty thin. Why are we really to be stretched thin and go out there and, and coach the infield? Um, so it, it's uh, it's 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 strange to me that uh, that they that they're taking this approach and they don't want to add um, when there's obviously a need to uh, yeah. to like you said add add that extra voice in there to get to, to get through to some of these players and and. Um, you know, and, and maybe maybe the, this coordinator that they're looking to hire, maybe that'll be part of part of his uh, his responsibilities too. And and uh, but uh, you know something something's got to change here. Yeah, yeah, and that's weird too because if Don Kelly's really a managerial, um, somebody that's up for managerial jobs in the future here, you'd think he'd want to be stepping away from the field, not not stepping back onto it. But Jim, right. what's up? No, I, I was just going to say is, um, look, all organizations aren't perfect, and there are missteps. I mean, we, we, we've we seen the Steelers go through it a little bit with some things. Um, the Penguins have had something going on recently that hasn't been very flattering. Um, just things that happen, things that you have to navigate through and – Mistakes can be made. and But you know what? When you're operating at a very high level and you limit those and people don't have a lot of things to point to in the past, you tend to build up a lot of um, um, goodwill and trust that way. Right. And so I think a lot of it with the Pirates is, and maybe we're guilty of it too, is we sit here and we bring it up the transaction things. It's a little bit of PTSD and just like, see here. I mean, this, the, the, here's just another example. And yeah. so, but, but the pirates, you know, maybe it's a it, little it, bit of a case of we expected them to fix everything and nobody could. Right. And, and so there's some of that, mm-hmm. but you know, if the pirates would were to clean it up for a consistent period of time, then I think some of that goes away and you are given some leeway. Hey, nobody's perfect. You can't control everything. But um, 
you know, uh, the Pirates just certainly aren't at that point. Whereas some of the other teams, funny, we we're back to that with how other teams are yeah, yeah. in the fans, but you know, they've, they've, they've been afforded some, um, goodwill in that regard. And they've, they've, they've earned that in a way. I mean, I'd love to see the, the pirates emulate the Steelers, especially Cole Tucker. I would love for him to complain. He's not getting enough playing time and cry until they trade him to Kansas city. I mean, I would love that. <laughs> we'll see what happens when, at the end of the day. Um, Hey, good show, everybody. Uh, I promise I'm going to try to be a little more positive next week with the holidays and everything. So, um, we'll find some topics that, that interest us and are still truthful. <laughs> and I know we're going to be talking about the 40 man next week. So, um, for, uh, Jim and Graves, I'd like to say, thank you very much for joining us. Check out every show on the podcasting network. They're all good. Um, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Graves, what's your handle again? My am at uh, KG underscore 55 VFTG. I'm voice from the Graves. Give me a follow on Twitter. I love to talk Pirates baseball, baseball in general, and and uh, just have a good time. There you go. And, Jim, everybody knows how to get a hold of you. Yeah, so Twitter all the time. Um, for the city underscore 412 or at JimStam22. You know me, guys. I'm all Pittsburgh all the time. Steelers, Pirates, Pitt, and Pens. Yeah, and I think the overriding theme of this episode really is exactly what Jim's mission statement on Twitter is. We are all for the city all the time. And we want every team to do well. And whichever one you like best or don't like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just... uh allow other people the room to, to root for who they like and, and well enjoy said. it. Um, yeah. So without further ado, let's go ahead and toss it to our friend Ben, huh? Yes, yes, You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.